Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to celebrate the fact that the Fed is done hiking rates and, in fact, is even talking about cutting rates in 2024. Logan, welcome to the podcast. I don't, I can't even believe this day. It's crazy. It was like millions of bearish housing crash people all of a sudden threw up at the same time, you know, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, okay, we just got off the fed presser right now. And I think for those that have uh, followed us, especially the last few months, you know, the, the fed made a really bad mistake being very hawkish when they didn't need to be the 10 year yield never should have really gone above four and a quarter to 5%. They started panicking like, Oh my God, what's happening? And, you know, and I think after that, terrible experience for them. And after some of the more recent inflation data today, I know some of the Fed members kind of changed their uh, uh, tune after they saw the producer price index inflation today. Uh, That's it. Sarah Wheeler, it is over. We can now talk about the rate cut cycle and how the entire um, marketplace is going to shift now from a hiking cycle to neutral to how many cuts we're going to get, what the cuts are going to look like, what's a 10-year yield, the whole thing has now turned, right? And it all goes back to the history of economics have always taught us that when the market believes the Fed is done, the next big move is bond yields rally, you mean 10-year yield goes lower. And what happens when the 10-year yield goes lower, Sarah Wheeler? What happened? Mortgage rates. It's, it's a it's a slow dance with mortgage rates. Slow They're dance. Go down. It is the slow dance right now, uh, and then mortgage rates follow, and all this talk about well, the deficit spending, Bank of Japan issuance, everything. Oh, it it is it is one of the more historically beautiful kicking that has just occurred with the bond market rallying like it is because it did basically what it usually does. Uh, when the when the when the when the market believes the Fed is done, and the honest truth is, in some ways it was a blessing in disguise. Even though I think it was detrimental that we wasted three months with the ten-year yield getting up to five percent and eight percent mortgage. That you know, um, the Fed learned a lesson that there is a point of being too hawkish. You know, and I know uh, Jerome Powell talked about that today. That you know they're very aware of you know keeping rates higher too long or or staying hawkish. And I really do think that that move in the 10-year yield spooked all of them. And they really did. They had no reason to do it. We should already be so much lower in the 10-year yield today. We did not even need to even deal with that process. But it's a blessing in disguise because I think that that was the wake-up call that, okay, maybe we're over pushing it. Let's not do it. Let's talk about the dual mandate. I mean, literally everything we wanted Right. Let's talk about rate cuts. How many? Just 75. That's fine. Whatever happens, the economy, if it gets weaker, then you're going to get more rate cuts. The 10 year yield is going to go down. But oh, that other drama is over with. Right. That other drama is over with. And that's been an 18 month drama. I mean, when they started hiking rates, what, in in uh, May, March 2022? It, it, it did. You know, you know, the irony of everything, Sarah, is that literally like one year ago, we were, we, we were here talking about. Who spiked the Fed's eggnog? 
That was our whole theme. Like, what happened? Like, you know, they already raised rates so much so fast, and they they had a they had a talking point that I always like refer people to. That um, Jerome Powell talked about. We want you know the Fed funds rate kind of mirroring three, six, twelve month core PC. Well, six month core PCs at two percent, right? They're already there, so they are very restrictive. So I think this conversation of real yields is is very new to a lot of people. Um, and we just got in a very restrictive stance because the growth rate of inflation fell. If, the, if inflation was running at 7 8%, we're not having this discussion, but it's not. It's heading lower, and there's some disinflation factors that are keeping some of the data line artificially higher than what it is. So it could not have been any better than what we uh, uh, saw today. Uh, the dot plots are talking about rate cuts. Um, and they're very good. They're going to be very mindful now of jobless claims data, which means the bond market is going to be very mindful of jobless claims data as well. So, uh, it's it, good Grinch, good Grinch. He decided, he decided that, Hey, we want to have friends and we want Christmas to be happy and we want, uh, kids to get gifts. And, uh, I think the 10 year yield, let me see. It's, you know, it's 4.4. It got, roughly down to 4%. So it's just, we're, we're, we're in a better spot going into 2024 now than what we were, uh, you know, a year ago, I'm thinking who spiked the egg dog. And now a year later, it's the happy Grinch. Uh, uh, and a lot of the criticism we've been doing here over the last uh, two months, especially the last weeks, we need to start talking about rate cuts. Now fed policy is too restrictive. It's way too restrictive for housing. So uh, we could not have asked for a, a better day than this. The 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 reign of terror is over. Uh, um, that whole super fast rate hike cycle. There's no more rate hikes. There's, and now we're talking about cuts. How many cuts? And then really, what matters with a ten year yield? Bond traders are going to know this now. So the dynamic shifts have happened, and really, it started when the bond market realized that the Fed rate hike cycle is done, and they did pretty much what they do in every single economic cycle. They send lowers and. A lot of, I think a lot of people remember when the 10-year yield was at 5%, we're like, my God, the, the things are so crazy right now. This is usually what happens at a top of the bond market. You know, We stay up until one o'clock in the morning watching the 10-year yield overnight trade. Everybody does, everybody's wild. Everything's crazy. Um, and it just it felt so good because I just know so many of my housing crash friends and recession and people want people to lose jobs and all the idiots out there. They, there's a sickness in their stomach right now. And they have to wake up living in the United States of America and thinking, oh my God, this whole thing isn't going to collapse. What am I going to do? You're going to be the same idiot like you've always been. Nothing's going to change. You're going to, one trick pony is going to be one trick pony until the last day and that's it. So very good, good, happy day, right? There's still a lot of work to do. You know, we still don't want a recession. We There's so much, but at least we got this over with. At least we got this over with. It, I do think it's funny that just very recently you wrote, uh, maybe it was yesterday or the day before you were talking about which which Jerome Powell will, will show up. Will he be the Grinch for 97% of the movie where he's just terrible or will he be the last 3% Grinch where he realized where his heart grows and he realizes what he should do. And we were really pulling for the good Grinch to come out. Oh my God. It is. I was tweeting out uh, videos of doves, right? We always go (laughs) hawks versus doves and everything that I saw right off the bat, doves, 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 doves. So uh, yeah, early Christmas present, the good Grinch is here. So uh, now we just, you know, take it. Of course, like everything else, we take data one day at a time. 
but we have a different structure to work with now. It's over. It's over. Okay, so let's talk about rate cuts, right? You know me. I'm always about the rates. I want to get right to it. So when we talk about rate cuts, did he say three rate cuts? He thought were did he did he define it? So this is this is where this is where the Fed this is the dot plots, which I th- I think they should just destroy the dot plots anyway. But this is the first time that they were talking about rate cuts, right? So we we've talked about this before that they should be doing this now, like. What are we doing? Like, it, I, I know it's hard to to like tell people that they're very restrictive, but with the growth rate of inflation falling, they're really restrictive. They needed to talk about rate cuts. So all they did is basically the standard, maybe th- uh, three rate cuts, 75 basis points. But I think the more important thing now is that the bond market and everyone's going to realize that if labor data really starts to get weaker, I mean, here's how crazy the Fed was talking before. They used to say, well, if there's a job loss recession, you know, we might not cut rates. You know, all that stuff is over with. The whole paradigm has now changed, and we want to make sure to get the soft landing. We want to make sure the ten-year yield goes down, mortgage rates go down. Let's find ways to get the spreads better because the one sector of the uh, economy, and they talked about it that you know, home sales—they're uh, not crashing anymore, but they're not growing, uh, and that was uh, a part of the mortgage rates getting eight percent, which did not need to occur. So. Um, I'm, I, I could not, I cannot ask for a better, like not only the, the, the Fed, uh, uh, uh statements, but the, 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 the plots and also the, the Q and A's were good. The Q and A's, you know, the, 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 I always try to like read Powell, his body language and everything. And he's just like, you know, Hey, yeah, the, the, everything shifted. It was, it was such a positive question and answer. Talk about dual mandates, talking about, you know, the key line for me, it was like, we were really restrictive. Like we were in really restrictive territory. That's all I needed to hear because to me, they were in really, I mean, we were just, we're doing podcasts after podcasts. Of the, they're really restrictive right now. What are they doing? And they just got better. So think about, you know, our friends that are uh, mortgage loan officers, they're real estate agents. They are sitting out there. They needed this. We needed this win, right? We need this, these rates to go down. What does that actually look like? What does that look like in December? What does that look like in January? What does that look like, even even farther out? Well, first of all, we should be we're, we're, we should be uh, we should get a second price cut uh, uh, rate rate change today, and we should be under seven percent. So I think now we just focus on the economic data, the labor data. Any weakness now is going to be pushed pushing yields lower, right? There's no more uh, um, uh, because they're restrictive right now. That's the case. Now I still have my Gandalf line on the ten year yield at three point three seven. You know, we're still far from that, but we almost broke under four today. So we're we're back. We're back in that, you know, uh, 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 we could get some growth again. And, you know, the last five weeks, uh, purchase application data has been positive, right? We've had uh, uh, four positive prints, uh, a, a flat, and then and today we actually uh, came in uh, positive again. So we're growing again. So there is a similar backdrop right now to what we saw last year. Right, but last year there was market stress. Last year, people thought the U.S. was going to the recession because the world markets were uh, going crazy. The dollar was super strong. Now it's different. Rate hike cycles over with. Next move lower. Any kind of weakness in economic data, ten-year yield goes slower. Right, so we still work off of that. But the worst, God, the 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 getting from you know getting to eight percent was so pointless. But it may be a blessing in disguise that that actually finally woke the Fed up. 
Uh, because if you looked at some of some of the presidents that were like, what's going on here? Rates are, why are 10-year yields going up? Why, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't talk hawkish. So maybe that was in the backdrop of let's 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 go dovish. Give Logan what he wants. Give him the <laughs> give him the Christmas present and then, you know, let's push this forward now in a more positive way and again, we work we look at every economic data every day, every week, we track forward-looking data. But right now there's a lot of similarities to what we're seeing now to what we saw last year except the backdrop is much different. The rate hike cycle is over and oh if the Fed, in a sense, pivots, saying we need to be, you know, instead of uh, neutral or restrictive, we need to be more proactive. That to me is what the Fed pivot is: more proactive. Ten-year yield goes down. Guess what? Sales are working from a, a low level. We can get sales up again. So positive day, positive day for uh, housing, positive day for the United States of America. A very, very tub- troubling. Horrible day for the uh, bearish American clansmen out there who are just hoping that everyone loses their job because they hate the Fed. Absolutely. Okay. So this time last year, we had those uh, positive purchase application weeks because we were in the, I think, 5.99% uh, area. And, you know, so we're under seven now. You're saying, are we going to get into the fives in the in the near future? You know, we we definitely need to need to see softer data, but I I, I think w- what happened last year, rates went from seven point three seven percent to five point nine nine percent. What that did is it gave us twelve weeks of positive purchase trend application data, right about this time last year as well. Now we've gone from eight percent to we're going to be under seven percent, and I know a lot of people are are, are getting uh, lower rates than than that right now. That's good for the builders. That's good for the existing home sales market. But imagine if we could get there and stay there now and no more Fed hiking rates or talking hawkish or anything like that. That's all over. So the, I would say the backdrop is, is, is different. It happened a little bit later uh, uh, now, but uh, if we keep this trend going, God, if we could get another 12 weeks of positive purchase application data going into the spring season because it looks out 30 to 90 days. Oh, that's as good as you can get considering it wasn't that long ago, people were 8% mortgage rates, everything, you know. So a little bit of life, something good for the holidays. I think that's the positive theme um, out there. So you said um, we'd have to see softening in other places to get into the fives and with any duration. With any, with any duration, to me, you know, the Gandalf line becomes very interesting now, now that the Fed rate hike cycle is done. But we are so far from 3.37% right now in the 10-year yield that uh, economic data getting weaker actually will flow more money to the bond market because now the bond market knows the Fed's got its back. Uh, I think another thing where the Fed could actually be beneficial if it wants to be, uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to do that anytime soon, talking about no more quantitative tightening or a slowdown of quantitative tight. We want yields to go down. They're very, very aware of what happened in the housing market with 8% rates. So uh, uh, so that's a good thing in a sense. And we will try to see how the, how the bond market reacts now to economic data. But again, take the victory. We're not at 8% anymore. We're under 7%. Positive purchase application data is growing Keep that going. We get uh, long-term yields to come down even more. Be positive for the U.S. economy because the one sector that is still at great financial recession levels is is the uh, existing home sales market. All right. So we are at the end of 2023 looking, like you said, 2024, that the spring home buying season could be so much better than last year, especially if we get these, um, you know, these 
many weeks of purchase application data that's positive. Where do you think seasonality is going to going to head next year? We got such last year was so difficult. We had weird January February numbers. It pushed back the whole day the whole year. What do you think we're going to see this year? See here here's the thing here's the thing with with seasonality and inventory. I have a working theory here that we have had very abnormal housing. Uh, uh, inventory, seasonal inventory uh, patterns. Everybody has their own take on it. I have this. Usually what happens is purchase application data after the second week of January rises kind of toward the first week of May after May volumes fall. What's occurred at the end of 2020 is that there was a makeup demand from COVID, right? We just had a few months, nobody was doing anything. So we just make it up forward-looking positive because you're not. I'm not a mortgage rate lockdown person. Mortgage rates going lower, uh, demand picking up can delay the growth of inventory or bring it down. So inventory, the bottom that usually happens in January, maybe February at sometimes, was happening later on, March and April. Then in 2021, going into 2022, extremely abnormal, we had volume increases in purchase apps. Never happens that, that, that time of the year. Pushed out inventory, seasonal bottom to March, very abnormal. Then last year at this time, you know, the 10-year yield peaked at four and a quarter, market stressed, bond yields came down, 12 weeks of positive purchase application data. We had that very big existing home sales print from 4 million to 4.5 million. It took to April 14th to find the seasonal bottom. So uh, it's going to be really interesting now to take a look at the first six to seven weeks of the weekly inventory, which we have here at Housing Wire, and see if this is the case now, because guess what's happening? Mortgage rates are falling again. Demand is picking up. This data line, the purchase apps look out 30 to 90 days. So you don't necessarily fill out an application, buy a home that afternoon and get it recorded. So it takes some time to filter through the sales data, which means it takes time to go into the inventory data. We're in the seasonal decline of inventory, working at a very low level. So you could see what happens is that the seasonal inventory bottom happens later. And in some cases, the seasonal uh, uh, peak uh, happens a little bit later as well. But That'll be that'll be very interesting because we have that dynamic once again. You know, we're saying that we're thinking, is this going to happen again? This will be the fourth year, so we really have to keep a track of the weekly tracker uh, data on the uh, active listings and new listing side. It has been so unusual in in many respects, but that late in the year, you know, bump up in people buying homes, and then what that does to the spring. Uh, selling season has been awful. When you think about inventory, we know inventory is not good. With with rates coming down, I know you're not a mortgage rate lockdown person, but isn't it true that some people will feel better about listing their homes because then they're going to feel better about you know about buying a home with lower rates? Rates go down, demand picks up. You have more people selling their homes to be buyers. When we talk about active inventory, we're talking about and this is a good way to explain it. When you list your house, you find a buyer, you sell that house, you buy another house in the process. You don't necessarily stay on the active inventory side because the transactions go faster. What also occurs that this is really the key thing. Who provides no inventory when they buy a house? It's a first-time home buyer. So a first-time home buyer, millennial, Gen Z finance 93% plus of their uh, homes with uh, mortgages. So when rates come down, they're taking something off and not giving you anything. So when we look at inventory going back to 2013, 
when demand starts to pick up, actually, 2014 was was a year where demand actually fell. Inventory has been slowly falling. Purchase application data has been slowly rising since then. Millennials started buying in 2013. They're not giving you inventory. So you can see what happens when rates go lower. Inventory falls. Stays flat or inventory falls. When it goes higher, you have some period of times where inventory can go up because uh, things take a little bit longer to sell. So uh, again, this is a first world problem to have at this point that demand picks up from these very low levels. But that can be an issue next year if this is the case, that we don't have the inventory growth that some people would want to see, especially like myself. But again, this is why we track the data. Uh, We've just, housing has been so stuck at these historical low levels in demand. We're missing about 4.2 to 4.7 million home buyers that would be part of the mix. So uh, it's it's in all branches. It's not just first-time home buyers, move-up buyers, move-down buyers, cash buyers, investors. So we'll we'll cross that bridge on the inventory side when it comes up there. This is why the tracker is going to be very key, especially going out for the next uh, 12 to 14 uh, weeks. Uh, But again, it wasn't that long ago that we're talking about 8% mortgage rates that, you know, can the builders actually pay down enough to move product, you know, uh, or home sales going to be stuck here. And since rates started to fall, the forward-looking data has been positive. Similar to last year, we go with that every single week. I'll update everyone. I'll keep everyone in tune. But this is why we do live tracking data. We do not sit with yearly forecasts. They are useless in this kind of environment. In the past decade, it was a little bit easier because things move so slow. You can't do it now anymore. It is an in, inefficient human being looking at yearly forecasts in this sense. You've got to go with live data because when something changes, you got to be there for it, right? Last year, what did we talk about, Sarah? I just did a podcast with uh, Josh, uh, downtown Josh Brown, Wall Street. And I was saying, you know how hard it is to convince people that the market changed on November 9th that the forward-looking data is getting better, and you got to go with it. If you don't go with it, you're going to be lost. And now I think there's some realization that, hey, if this happens again, do we really want to like be really bearish on everything? I mean, the forward-looking data gets better. If the forward-looking uh, data gets better for like 12 to 18 months, oh my. You don't want to be that that old and slow. We don't want to be that old and slow. So uh, we'll track the weeklies. We'll keep everyone updated. But my Lord Almighty, we got a Christmas gift. The Fed brought out the doves, and that's all we should focus about today. And then we'll just take off the uh, economic data every single day off of that and just go with it. But uh, a, a victory for sure. A victory. Logan, thank you so much for being on and really closing this chapter for us. As you said, it's over. It's the end. And even Powell said it's over. So we're we're excited about that. Thanks yes, for and, being and for some of my friends that were some of my friends that were messaging me because we always say the the Dallas uh, the the Minnesota Fed and the San Francisco Fed staffers listen to this. I know, no, this is nothing. This is the Fed. They did this all on their own, right? Uh, uh, they corrected a mistake they made a few months ago. Just thinking about that, and let's move forward. Keep the economy going. No job loss recessions. Let's see if we can get a soft landing. Let's get a good Christmas going on here. I love it. I'm I'm for it. Thank you, Logan. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.